0: Please turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. To understand what Good Friday is all about, we need to go back to the beginning. To the creation of mankind. With verses 26 through 28 saying, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Somebody once said, yes, God gave us dominion over creeps. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Moving on, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Verse 28. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth, and subdue it and have dominion. I want you to see those two words, subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. Now, I want you to also notice it didn't say have dominion over one another. It said have dominion over all of your surroundings. This was God's will for us. You know, God created a planet that was literally paradise. It seems so far from us right now because of what happened in the Garden of Eden. but And it saddens me when people say, well, God's will is for us to be sick or anything else. That's not how we find mankind in Genesis 1. We find him in paradise. We find him in a position of power. We find him in a place where everything was provided for him. So when we think about what Jesus Christ did for us on Good Friday, it was to return mankind to a place where he is once again blessed. It wasn't back to our original position because that was taken. It was to a higher position because we are now in him, seated at God's right hand. But all of that is later on and we've talked about that in in other series. But I want you to understand something that God created everything perfect. And what Jesus came to do was to bring all of that back, which then goes against everything that people say about God wanting to hurt people and wanting to do things, you know, bad things to us. It goes against all of that because it's all untrue. Hallelujah. So let's go on. Sadly, once again, we know things were not going to remain this way because in direct opposition to God's will, It goes on to say in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, And now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And with this one question, family, the devil questions everything God had said. And in in the verses to follow, as you know, the human race is just plunged into sin. And even worse, they are separated from God. And just when it looked like all was lost, you know, God's always like this, okay? God makes a promise in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. So we're still in the same chapter as the fall of man. And this is a redemptive statement for the catastrophic mistake that was just made. God says, and I will put enmity between you, that is the devil, and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Isn't that interesting? Immediately after the fall, God says someone is coming that is going to crush in, you know, it says, it says here, bruise your head, but in the actual literal text, it says crush your head. There are two different words for bruise there. The first word is crush. The second word is actually bruise. You can, you can be healed of a bruise, but you know, there's not much you can do when your head is crushed. <laughs> okay. There's no coming back from that. This is what Good Friday and Easter Sunday is all about. The redemption of mankind. And this redemption would be complete. With Isaiah chapter 53 and verses 4 and 5 saying, Surely he has borne our griefs. You know, this was a complete redemption family. It wasn't just one thing. It was everything. Isaiah says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. In other words... You know he carried all of our griefs and all of our sorrows, and we thought the people that were watching his crucifixion thought that God was punishing him, that we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But in verse five, he goes on to say, but he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastis- chastisement, the payment for our peace, was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed hallelujah you know today we need that (laughs) amen we need to understand that by his stripes because of the wounds that he bore on our behalf we can now receive the healing that was that came as a result of that payment amen that's the reason why we don't have to pay a second time to receive our healing Jesus Christ paid the price for all of us so that we could receive our healing right now that is so this is what it took to redeem us back to God And this redemption would come through God's Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Who would utter those most precious words in in John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, which were for God's soul of the world. We know these verses, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then verse 17 goes in to say, for God did not send his Son, or sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world. See, Jesus didn't come to condemn us. Jesus came to redeem us. It says, but that he, uh, but that the world through him might be saved. Amen. Hallelujah. This is why we choose to celebrate Easter. Now, since we have some understanding of what Easter is about, let's go to Matthew's gospel and have a look at the events that transpired to make all this possible. Let's pick up the story in Matthew chapter 26 where we find Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane. I could spend a lot of time leading up to this, but I just want to get straight to uh, this incident. Just hours before he allows himself to be arrested and tried and eventually crucified. Um, and you know, it's an incredibly difficult time for him. And so he says to his disciples in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 38, he says, My soul is crushed with grief and it says overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death stay here and watch with me this was his plea to his disciples at this point in time the original tra- uh, translation actually describes a grief that is so intense that it is actually life threatening it goes and say verse 39 it says he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed saying oh my father if it is possible let this cup pass from me nevertheless not as I will, listen, he says, but as you will. See, in times like this, a lot of times people don't understand what actually happened here. Because, you know, we, when we read that, if we don't cross over to Luke's gospel, that's why there, there are so many accounts, uh, gospel accounts, because they all cover a different territory and give you some insights that, you know, one gospel writer might not give you. In Luke's gospel, at this point in time, in Luke chapter 22 and verse 43, it says something incredible happens. And it says, then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. And it says in verse 44, he prayed more fervently and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great great drops of blood. So I want you to see the agony that he's in, but I want you also to see the help that came. Amen. Now we don't have to go through this. Okay. He went through this for us. So we wouldn't have to go through it. Say amen. (laughs) Okay. Hallelujah. But I want you to understand something. I want you to see something here, regardless of what you're going through. And if you're going through something really horrendous right now, just know that God is there. There is angelic protection. There is some kind of provision coming your way. God's not going to wait till you're almost dead before it comes. He will bring it to you as soon as you allow him to. So I'm just saying this right now, allow him to bless you in the way that he wants to bless you right now. I want you to get the revelation that all of this was for us. All to redeem us back to God. And so continuing on in Matthew's gospel, let's let's go back to Matthew chapter 26 and now in verse 45. It says, then he returned to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near and the son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Verse 46, he says, rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Isn't this sad? Verse 47, he says, while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the 12, arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs, sent from the chief priests and elders of the people. I want you to see where this is coming from. It is coming from the chief priests and the elders. These, This is what religion does, family. This is how religion behaves. Without going into too much detail now for the sake of time, uh, we know that following Judas' betrayal, Jesus is tried before the high priest and the Sanhedrin, and then in the morning he's sent to Pontius Pilate. And the reason for that is only he could sentence Jesus to death. See, this is a problem that the Jews were having. You know, they wanted to kill him, but they couldn't do it. Rome wouldn't let them. So they had to try and get Rome to do it. And this is where Pontius Pilate comes in. And But to the surprise of these murderous Jews, Pilate doesn't want anything to do with the death of Jesus. Because unknown to them, Pilate's wife has a dream about Jesus and warns Pilate against doing anything to this man. Okay? And what follows is the, uh, (laughs) Pilate's incredible attempt to save Jesus. This is not even a Jew. Okay? And it, it says in Matthew chapter 27, Verses 22 and 23, Pilate said to them, what then shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? I want you to see what he says. He says, what do I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? Okay, or who is called Christ? In other words, the word Christ is actually Messiah. In other words, he's saying, what do I do with your Messiah? This is your Messiah, by the way. Okay. And they all said to him, let him be crucified. Now, these are not, family, I want to make a point here. These are not the people he uh, healed and you know he delivered. These are coming. Remember, I, I pointed out before that they were coming from the chief priests and the elders. This is that religious group that he showed up. In fact, these are the people that Jesus said, you are of your father, the devil. Okay, he said the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning. Remember, they're about to kill an innocent man. Murder is the shedding of innocent blood. So he says, he says again, he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. In other words, everything that they're going to do with Jesus, all the things that they're going to accuse him of are all going to be lies. Did you get that? They are going to murder an innocent man. And so anyway, uh, Pilate's back here. And so let's get back to Matthew 27. So remember again, Pilate said to them, what then shall I do with Jesus called Christ? And they all said to him, let him be crucified. Then the governor, this is Pilate again, said, why? (laughs) Okay, See, you know, he's standing there and going, what is wrong with you people? He says, why? What evil has he done? What's the question? He says, you want me to crucify him? I want you to tell me why I should crucify him. I want you to tell me what evil he has committed to be crucified. Because they didn't just crucify people for the sake of crucifying them. They would, you know, that was a death sentence for people that were very bad. (laughs) Okay? Uh, And, and so Pilate is saying, why do you want to do this to this man? What has he done that's wrong? And, And, but watch what they do. They don't answer him. It says, but they all, they cried out, All the more saying, let him be crucified. Do you, do you understand what's going on here? This is an unreasonable thing that is going on. There's no reason behind what they're doing. They just hate him and they just want him to die. Remember again that, you know, Jesus really exposed the religious leaders for who they were. They were whitewashed tombstones. They were snakes in the grass. You know what I mean? And we are seeing their, you know, their true character. Let me say that coming out in what's going on here. So let's continue on in verse 24. Pilate saw that he, it says, Pilate saw that he wasn't getting anywhere and that a riot was developing. Isn't that sad? So he sent for a bowl of water. I love this and washed his hand before the crowd, his hands before the crowd. In fact, you know, in other words, he said, go get a bowl of water while they're carrying on. He said, bring me a bowl of water. And he stood in front of them and he washed his hands. Do you know this was a visual aid? He was showing them he was letting them know i am washing my hands of this this is on you and anyway it all all comes out it says he says again here and he washed his hands before the crowd saying i am innocent of the blood of this man the responsibility is yours verse 25 and all the people yelled back watch what the people yell back now he says we will take the responsibility for his death we and our children. You wonder why the Jews have gone through so much trouble and had so much trouble. Do you see what just happened there? Amen. And people look and say, well, how come God's forsaking them? Well, look what they just said. They said, we'll take the responsibility for murdering our Messiah. Okay, us and our children. Okay, anyway, verse 26. So Pilate released Barabbas to them This guy was a bad guy, okay? And he ordered Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip, then turned him over to the Roman soldiers to crucify him. This was the price of redemption. And it was all for us, family. Let's continue on to verse 33. It goes in the same reading through to verse 35. Then they went out to a place called Golgotha, which means Skull Hill. Verse 34. The soldiers gave him wine mixed with bitter gall. Now, this was to numb the senses. But when he had tasted it, he refused to drink it. The reason that he did that was because he still had work to do. Verse 35, and after they had nailed him to the cross. See, that's why they wanted to give it to him, because they were about to nail him. The soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. Verse 36, then they sat around and kept guard as he hung there. And verse 37, I love this verse. A signboard was fastened to the cross. Above Jesus' head, announcing the charge against him. Watch this, okay? This is Pilate's doing. I love Pilate. and I man, I really like that, man. This is his doing. You know what it read? It didn't say thief, murderer. It said, this is Jesus, king of the Jews. The Jews were infuriated. All the religious leaders you know, demanded that he take it down. And he said, no, just as stubborn as you were, so am I. You don't want to change your mind? I'm not going to change mine either. <laughs> okay, so he said, that's going to stay there. You know what? It stayed there for all eternity. All right, hallelujah. So uh, continuing on to verse 45, it says, and watch this. This is the supernatural nature of what's going on here, family. It says, at noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. Isn't that interesting? It went dark for three hours. Nobody could see anything. In fact, one of, some, some of the stories actually say that when the, when the sun came back out, when, when it was light again, all the, uh, you know, the roosters and stuff started crowing because they were so disoriented. They thought it was nighttime and it's morning again. Isn't that incredible? And, uh, s- some of the literal texts actually, uh, Seem to indicate that it, darkness fell across the whole planet. Now, I know half the planet is in darkness already. Okay, we understand the way, you know, the earth goes around the sun and it's, you know, nighttime one place and daytime in the other. But apparently at this point in time, it, anywhere you went, it was nighttime. It was dark and it was, it, it was, it indicates a supernatural darkness. Wow. Okay. It gave people time to think about what was actually going on. Verse 46, and at about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Now, these words signified that for the first time in his entire existence, Jesus was separated from his Father and from his deity as well. See, he had to become all man in order to die. He had to become all man in order for him, for the devil to be able to carry him into hell. Illegally, I might add, which is the reason why three days later, he's going to come up from the dead. Okay. And they can't stop him. That's what Easter Sunday was, is all about, by the way. All right. And what we'll be looking at. So I don't want to get into that message right now. For now, let's just conclude by going back to John chapter 19, verses 28 and 29, where it says, Jesus knew that everything was now finished and to fulfill the scriptures, He said, I am thirsty. Verse 29, it says, a jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop uh, branch, and held it up to his lips. In verse 30, it says, when Jesus had tasted, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. The phrase, it is finished, implied that the price for mankind's redemption had now been paid in full. Hallelujah. The promise of Genesis 3.15 was coming to pass. Hallelujah. And will be complete in three days when Jesus defeats the devil in all of hell and emerges victorious. Praise God. And again, I don't want to get all excited about that because this is not that time. With all of this and with the understanding of what Jesus did, the price that he paid, the suffering that he went through, I want us to all bow our heads right now.